Thank you, Lorraine. Well, good morning, everybody. We are here on our fourth Sunday of Advent. It's uh, hard to believe that in a couple days we'll be celebrating Christmas. Um, and as you probably have noticed, the children's ministry is cut back a bit this morning. Uh, we have activity boxes available at the doors uh, for kids, kind of grades one to four. So if uh, anyone needs to go grab one of those, feel free to do that at any point. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this season. This season that calls to our attention specific themes, specific events for us to remember. And Lord, already we've talked about peace and hope and joy. And this morning we will talk about your love. And Father, in the busyness of this season, the traveling, the arrangements that are made, the gifts that are purchased, Lord, it can be so easy to miss you in the midst of of all of this. So Lord, we praise you for an opportunity this morning to turn our hearts towards you. And God, we ask that as we reflect on your love and reflect on who you are, Lord, that we will hear from you and receive from you all that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm a young dad, and I have the opportunity on a daily basis to read some great books. Uh, this past week, me and my 16-month-old read a book called Cheap Cheap, and uh, went to the library and picked up the sequel, Chirp Chirp. Uh, <laughs> It's great stories, um, but we pulled out of our Christmas box a few Christmas kids' stories, and I want to read one for you this morning, if that is okay. So we're going to read this Little Critters book. Who grew up on Little Critters? A few of us. This one was published in 1983, um, but it's still just a great book. So I've been reading this to Libby, and uh, I'm going to read it for us today. This is the story of Little Critter trying to make Christmas great for his mom and dad. I wanted to make Christmas very special just for you. So I made a Christmas wreath. Put some nails in the door. I wanted to decorate some Christmas cookies just for you. But I couldn't stop tasting them. I wanted to find a Christmas present just for you. But there were too many toys to look at. So I asked Santa to bring you a special present instead. I wanted to wrap the baby's present just for you, but the tape was too sticky. I picked out a Christmas tree just for you, but it was too big to take home. I wanted to carry the Christmas ornaments just for you, but the box was upside down. So I got out the Christmas lights, but they were tangled. (laughs) I wanted to put the star on top of our tree all by myself, so Dad helped. On Christmas Eve, I tried to go right to sleep just for you, but I was too excited. I didn't want to make you get up too early on Christmas morning. So I brought my toys upstairs to show you. Merry Christmas, Mom and Dad. 
That's a great little story. What I love about this story is it, it, you know, this little guy is trying so hard to make Christmas great for his mom and dad. And it would be so much better if he just stopped and asked for help. (laughs) Man, little Curter wanted to do it all on his own. He's like, I got this. So he put a nail in the door. (laughs) He broke a few Christmas ornaments. He ate the Christmas cookies. I think there's this reality, though, for all of us that sometimes we don't want to ask for help. And maybe around the Christmas season particularly, you might find yourself insisting that you got it. I can hang the lights on my own. I can handle the Christmas meal. I can do the Christmas shopping. I don't, I don't need help. But that reality really spreads out into all of our lives, doesn't it? I can reflect on my own life and think back to being a young kid wanting to bake cookies all by myself and mistaking the salt for the sugar (laughs) and making some pretty bad, pretty salty cookies. I can remember being an apprentice, wanting to do things all by myself, to impress my boss, to to build things properly and, and accomplish something and impress him and failing on that and costing my boss probably a bit of money and time. I think about different situations in my own life going about life and wondering what to do, not knowing what to do, but choosing not to stop to ask for help. And I think about my walk with Jesus, my faith, my connection to God, how even in those things, in those moments, I don't like to ask for help. I would much rather be self-sufficient than be someone who asks for help. But how about you? When troubles in life come, how do you respond? How are you at asking for help? Well, did you know that God wants to help us? Did you know that God is interested in in seeing you experience the full life and the best that He's created you for? And not only is He interested in us experiencing life in a particular way. He's interested in helping us get there. God is interested in you experiencing life to the full. And, And God did not create us to go through life on our own. God hardwired us to actually need help. To need the help of others. And ultimately, as history has unfolded, we've seen that we actually need the help of God an awful lot as well. Well, we've tried as a, a church staff not to leave the book of Mark through the Christmas season. We, we wanted to stay in the Gospel of Mark. And when we come to our passage today, you might look at this and say, this, how is this a Christmas passage? Well, I want to suggest to you that it is a Christmas passage in, in a lot of ways. Because in the words that we had read for us this morning... We have this message of hope, this message of love coming to us. The whole reason why Jesus came is communicated to us in these few verses. We have Jesus having this conversation with his disciples. And if you remember some of the comments we've been making as we've journeyed through the book of Mark, is that the question of who is Jesus 
is Mark's, one of his primary concerns as he constructs his gospel. Who is Jesus? That is an incredibly important question. And the way that you and I answer that question is probably one of the most important answers that we will ever give in our lives. Who is Jesus? And right here in the center of Mark's gospel, he draws our attention very specifically to this question. And Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he says to them, Who do people say that I am? Who am I? What are you hearing? What are the reports? What are the rumors? And they respond to him. Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others say one of the prophets. But Jesus asks them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter responds. He says, You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. We've talked about this word before in the past few months. This word Messiah can also be translated Christ. If you're reading in the ESV, it would say Christ. And it's easy for us to assume that Christ was simply Jesus' last name. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) But this word Christ, this word Messiah, it means the anointed one. The chosen one. When Peter said, Jesus, you're the Messiah... He was saying, Jesus, you are the chosen one of God. You are the one that God has sent to save us. You are the one that God has sent to help us. You are the love of God come to humanity in a person. So we have this word Messiah. It's a Christmas word, you could say. This reality of God sending us the help that we so desperately need. You see, friends, God sees us in our places of need. God sees us in our places of need. There's a story of this little boy who's playing in the backyard. And he's in his sandbox and he's playing and having fun. And as time passes, he gets a little bored. And he wanders across the backyard to... This area that he's not supposed to go. He wanders into mom's garden. And at the center of mom's garden is a birdbath. And he's not supposed to touch the birdbath. Kind of looking around. Sees that no one's there. Starts touching the birdbath. Splashes in the water. And eventually takes both hands. Puts them against the birdbath and he pushes. The birdbath falls to the ground. Well, his mom is watching him from the kitchen window and seeing that everything's okay. The kid's fine. The birdbath looks fine. She watches to see what happens. And the little boy panics. And he, he grabs the birdbath and he tries to lift it up and he, he can't do it. He spins around and he tries to lift it with his back. He can't do it. Runs to the shed. Grabs a stick. Comes over. He's trying to pry it up. Can't do it. Goes and gets a shovel. He's trying to get the birdbath up. He can't do it. Well, his mom eventually walks out. Sees this little guy distraught. Says, son, did you knock over the birdbath? Yeah. Were you supposed to play with the birdbath? No. Do you want help picking up the birdbath? Yeah. 
Like a loving parent watching a child playing in a backyard. God has had his eyes upon us. God loves us. And he sees us in our places of need. We know the the story of the Bible that, that God created humanity. He created humanity to be in a loving relationship with them. And very early on we read that things don't go necessarily a good way. And that humanity chooses to live in their own way. But God sees this problem and he comes to a man named Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to work through your family. I'm going to make everything right again. We keep reading. We we read about Israel living in Egypt as slaves. And, And we read about them crying out to God for help. Saying, God, help us. These amazing verses in Exodus that that God heard their cry for help. And so God sends Moses to them. And as we continue to read in the Old Testament, we read about God over and over again seeing Israel in places of need and always sending help. We read about God sending him the prophets who come to them and, and tell them the way that God desires them to live. Telling him the way that that they can be back in that relationship with God that they were created for. And as we keep on reading, we come to the New Testament, the story of a baby being born in Bethlehem. A story that takes place when Israel is, is living in a land that's their own, but being ruled by leaders that are not their own. We read about Israel being oppressed by the Romans, living in this land and calling out to God for help. And friends, not only does God see us in our places of need, but God loves us. And so He responds to our need. He responds to that need. Not only does He see it, But he responds to it. And as we read God's word, as we study the Bible over and over again, we read about God responding to our needs. To coming to us, to helping us. And as he has demonstrated that in his word, I believe wholeheartedly that he continues to love us today. And he continues to respond to our needs today. That God seeing you in your need. He sees you today in your place of need. That that God desires to respond to you today in your places of need. Friends, that's the message of His Word. See, God's love, it's it's not the same as the Hallmark Christmas movie kind of love. It's not all flowers and roses. (laughs) But when we study, again, study God's word, we come to see that God's love is a commitment to us becoming who he desired us to be. God's love for us is the type of love where he's not going to give up on us. God's love for us is the type of love that isn't dependent on on our actions or our choices. It's a love that reaches out to us in our failings. It's a love that is is standing there and is, is waiting for us to receive it. And is a love that is extending and reaching to us to help us in those places of need. It's a love that 
desires to see you and I experiencing life to the full. And in all of that, friends, God sees us in our sin. And I love this picture from the Little Critter book. <laughs> and as sin, again, so simply, sin is this reality that God has a standard. He's given us His standard in His Word. But sin is us choosing not to live by God's standard, but to instead live by our own. And the reality is, is that if God created us, He knows what's best for us. When we choose not to live the way that He's designed us to live, we kind of end up like little critter here. (laughs) Sitting there wrapped up in tape, feeling a little bit stuck, wondering what to do. But friends, God sees us in this place. And what does He do? Did He look at us and say, Oh, you look kind of stuck there. That's too bad. No. But God sent His Son. It's what we are celebrating here at Christmas. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is Galatians in chapter 4. I've read it for us many times. In Galatians 4, Paul writes these letters, But when the fullness of time had come, you know, when, when it was time for that first Christmas, God sent forth His Son, Jesus, born of a woman, Mary, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. These verses are... are, are telling us that God saw us in that place of need. And so He sent forth His Son to redeem us so that we can be God's children, which is exactly what we were created for. We might ask the question, well, why would God do this? Why would God send His Son? Well, Jesus tells us Himself in in the Gospel of John. These very familiar verses in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, God loves us. It's why He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to to help us. He sent Jesus to us in this place of need. To save us. A story um, of two brothers that is quite sad, but in a a town that is is, is on the coast, they had these massive sand piles that that kind of build up right right by the water. And these sand piles were amazing places for kids to play, right? They could have so much fun playing on the sand, but it was also such an incredibly dangerous place for kids to play. And so fences were put up and they did everything they could to keep the kids out because the problem was that the the sand would dry on the top, but it would be wet underneath and it was easy for the sand to give way and for a kid to get sucked underneath. Well, one night, two boys don't show up at home for supper. The family starts freaking out. They 
call the police. They get some friends involved. They start looking. And sure enough, they find a bicycle leaning up against the fence outside of these sand piles. So they go in. They start looking for these boys. And eventually they find one of them. who's buried up to his shoulders in sand. They say, son, where is your brother? Where is your brother? And they're, they're digging him out. And he looks up to them with tears in his eyes. Says, I'm standing on his shoulders. A tragic story. Friends, it illustrates for us this reality of what Jesus did for us. In this place of need. So many of us in our own efforts, we're trying to reach heaven. We're trying to do all that we can to be close to God. Jesus comes and lets us stand on His shoulders. Giving His life for ours. Why? Because He loves you. He cares about you. He desires to see you experience your best. Friends, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. So my question for us this morning is, will we receive this gift of love? Will we receive this gift of love? Again, the question, who is Jesus to you? Do you know Him as your helper? As your Savior? Do you know the love that Jesus has for you? In our passage, we see that some people don't see see it for what it is. Some people don't see Jesus for who He is. When Jesus asked the disciples, well, who do people say that I am? John the Baptist, Elijah, others, some some say you're a prophet. Man, these responses are, are not that different than what people might say today. When you ask someone, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Someone might respond, oh, he's a myth. Some might say, oh, he's a historical figure, maybe. I, th- I think he lived and died. I don't know. Some might say that he was a great teacher. Others might say he was a magician. Others would say he's a lunatic. Some would say he's the son of God. Some would say that he's a king. But I think what's pressing to us in this passage is that Jesus was there ministering among the people. They, they heard his teaching. They saw him do miracles, but they did not see him for who he was. It's so easy for us to miss Jesus. The reports of him being Elijah or John the Baptist or any one of these things, they were all wrong. Jesus was so much more than what the general population perceived of Him. And that is no different today. That Jesus is so much more than what our general population perceives of Him to be. And here we are at Christmas. Year over year at Christmas time, people hear about this baby in a manger. But they miss it. They miss that Jesus is the Son of God. They miss that Jesus is the Helper. 
And they spend their whole lives running around trying to figure out life. And they end up covered in tape. (laughs) They miss that Jesus wants to reach out and help them experience that life that they're so desperate to experience. Others receive that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, but they do it on their own terms. Now this verse wasn't read for us this morning, and we will unpack it more in the weeks ahead, but I wanted to point us to it this morning. After, G- after Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ, we, this is what we read in verse 31. And Jesus began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days he'd rise again. And he said this plainly. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So this is interesting, isn't it? Peter has this winning moment. Jesus says, who do you say that I am, Peter? Peter says, you're the Messiah. And all of us are like, yeah, Peter, you got it. And then not even three verses later, Jesus is calling Peter Satan. See, Peter received Jesus. He understood that Jesus was the Messiah. But he wanted to define that on his own terms. He did not like what Jesus was saying. He didn't like that Jesus was saying that, Peter, I have to suffer. I have to die. Peter's like, no, no, no. Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're going to take over from the Romans. You're going to win us back the nation. No, Peter. You don't get it. Friends, in our own lives, it's easy for us to recognize that Jesus can help us. But so often I think that we just want Him to do it in the way that we think He should do it. It's like, yeah, Jesus, I see that you're the helper. I see that you're, you're God. I get that. And, but this is the way I want you to help me. This is the thing I want you to do. But we don't understand that coming to Jesus, receiving His help, is an invitation for us to give Him our entire lives. To give Him all of it. To let Him teach us what it means to walk with Him. When we receive Jesus on our own terms, it, it echoes to me what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, 46. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and do not do what I say? It's like Jesus is saying to him that, that, that you're giving me the right name, but you're not allowing me to work in your life the way that I desire to. Now I was thinking about this, and it, it reminded me of my iPhone. How many of you have a smartphone? All of us, I think, right? We all probably have a smartphone. Now, imagine that I only ever used this to make phone calls. That's all I ever used it for. You'd probably tell me that I was missing out on something, right? If all I used my phone for was to make and receive calls, you would say, well, you're not using it properly. And all the young people are going, my phone makes and receives calls? That's amazing. But when I start really realizing what my iPhone can do, it's like, man, I can go on the internet. I can, did you know that your phone has a flashlight? I can light up dark places with my phone. I can check my email on my phone. If I'm wondering what an equation might be, I I can look up equations. I can do 
calculus on my phone. I don't know how to do calculus. I can go on social media. I can do my banking. Norb just texted me, test. And look, my, uh, my watch even tells me what's going on on my phone. But if all I ever used this for was to make and receive calls, I'd be missing out on what this could do. Friends, so many of us in our relationship with Jesus have reduced that relationship to eternity when we die and forgiveness from sins. And I want to suggest to you that if your relationship with Jesus is summed up in eternity when you die and forgiveness from sins, that you've reduced Jesus in the way that I might reduce my iPhone to making and receiving calls. I've allowed my phone to permeate my life. I use it all of the time. It's a great tool. But if I don't allow Jesus to permeate my life, I'm missing out on everything that God created me for. When I try to navigate life on my own, I'm missing out on what God has created me for. When I refuse the help of Jesus in every area of my life, I am missing out on all that God has created me for. And I promise you, when we give our lives to Jesus, every part of our lives, our Monday to Saturday lives, it's good. It's the best life. It speaks to every part of us. It brings us freedom in places we feel we're in bondage. It speaks to our identity when we wonder who we are. It gives us purpose when we feel lost in this universe, in this, this North American culture of do, 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 be, be, be. A relationship with Jesus cuts through all of that. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's not simply about a, a baby in a manger. It, it's about a baby who will grow to be a man who demonstrates to us what that best life looks like. And who makes possible for us to enter into life the way that we were designed to enter into it. Friends, Jesus is our helper he is to be our Lord, the one who guides our life. And recognizing and receiving that Jesus is our helper invites us to come before Him with every part of us. That we don't just bring Him our spirituality, but we come to Him too with the realities that go on in our homes. We bring to Him our relationships. We bring to Him our personal lives. We bring to Him the secret parts of ourselves that we don't want other people to know about. And in, as we do that, God does not abandon us to navigate life on our own. So friends, I ask you again, will you receive this gift of love? Will you receive this gift of love? This is what Christmas is about. The love of God come to us in a man. And what I love about this too is that as we receive this love from Jesus, we have the opportunity to extend this love to other people. As we receive this love from Jesus, we have the opportunity to extend it to other people. I heard a story on CBC this past week. Um, maybe some of you heard it. It was, they were 
having people call in to share about Christmas traveling stories. And this one guy phoned in to talk about a time that him and his family were stranded in Clooney in 1985. And he talks about how the family got up really early. They got in the car and they started driving. And they got hit by this snowstorm. And the guy said he couldn't see an inch in front of him. It was so snowy. So of course they end up pulling over. And, and he said that he worked in the cell phone company. So back in 1985. But he talks about unpacking a cell phone, if you can believe it. Something that could only make and receive calls. Um, and he got in touch with the gas station in Clooney because he figured that, that they were somewhere, somewhat close to it. And he asked the gas station owners to flash the lights of the gas station on and off because maybe they'd be able to see it. Well, he goes on to, to, to describe this Hallmark Christmas moment of all of these people leaving their vehicles on the highway and going into this gas station and eating a meal together, playing table hockey, and, and taking shelter from the storm. But I love that picture of the lights of this gas station flickering on and off. And one of the drivers saying, look, there's hope. And I just imagine him going to the other vehicles and knocking on windows and saying, come, come. We, we found a place where we can go. We found a place we can be warm. We found a place we can have a meal. <laughs> Friends, as we receive this gift of love from Jesus, it's like that first flickering light. And then we have the opportunity to take that light and share it with those around us. Going car to car. Being light in dark places. Our church should be a light in our community. But it, it should start by being a light in this very room. The people who sit in these chairs. We have an opportunity, each one of us, to represent Jesus and, and be a helper in the lives of those who are, you're sitting with this morning. That as a church, we come alongside one another as brothers and sisters, being a light. And as a church in this community, we be a light in the darkness that is around us. Families struggling, people wrestling through issues. But we take this light, this love that's been given to us. We don't just hoard it to ourselves. We share it with others. We become the helpers. We become the helpers. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close here. Well, I started this morning by highlighting to us that many of us are not great at asking for help. But again, friends, Jesus, He's our helper. When Peter made that statement, you are the Messiah. Those words echo to us this morning. But will we receive this love? Will we, will we receive this help from God? Friends, God loves you. He wants to help 
All we have to do is accept it. Like Peter, we need to come before him and confess to him. It's this recognition of God. I've been doing life my own way. God, I'm so in need of, of your forgiveness. I'm so in need of your help. God, I want to do life your way. I want your best for me. Will you help me? Let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful this Christmas season for the message of your gospel, the message of your good news. God, that you saw us in our place of need. You saw us all covered in tape. But Lord, you did not leave us there. And your word reminds us that you did not treat us as our sins deserve. But rather you came to us and you helped us. So Father, may we be a people who are known for receiving that help. May we be a people who receive you, Lord, but who allow your help to permeate and, and move in every single area of our lives. And Lord, may we be a people who take this message of love and and share it with all those around us. God, help us to be those types of people. We praise you and thank you, Jesus. Amen.